the Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John from the 11th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from St. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. It can be found in your pew Bible on 1668. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again, he said to me, Prophesy, to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the Lord God, to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Ezekiel 37, verses 3 through 5. People often wonder, about what the resurrection is, is going to look like. You know, dead bodies coming back to life, really? No, it's not going to be like the walking dead. It's not science fiction. It's not horror. It's everlasting life. And it starts with the breath, the spirit of God. When 
The Spirit comes to the graves of the dead on the last day. Our bodies will be put back together, and we will rise and be alive again. But you've already risen. You've already risen from the dead. You've already had the Spirit breath. The Spirit has breathed life into you. Remember when man was created, it was with dirt, dust, you are. And to dust you shall return. Do you remember that? It was added with a little water that sprang up from the ground. And the breath, the Spirit of God. And then the man was alive. He was given life. And that's, that's you in a baptism. You have the Spirit. You have the water. And you have new life. You are raised from the death of sin in your baptism. Now, Jesus, he rose from the dead, and having conquered sin on Good Friday's cross and death from Easter Sunday's empty tomb, he breathed. Jesus breathed on his apostles, and he gave them new life. And the breath the word that he breathed on them. They then spoke to you, for they bring the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. They preach the word. They absolve sinners. So every time you sin, every time you sin, there's proof of death. And the wages of sin is death. But every time your pastor absolves you, he's loosing your sins. You are being raised to new life. You are raised up from the waters of holy baptism into new life. You're a new creation. It's your resurrection. Every remembrance of your baptism, every pronouncement of absolution, every sermon preached, every supper of Jesus' body and blood, each, each of these is like a little Easter for you. A transit from death to life. A resurrection from the dead to being alive. Each of these gifts is the Spirit breathing life into you day after day until you are laid in the ground. And then he does it one last time on the last day when you will be alive forever. I know that Easter, and as we are entering into Easter, Palm Sunday already, next Sunday, Easter is supposed to be a time of great and utter joy, and, and it is. 
It's, it's just that when Easter comes, there can some, sometimes be a, a lack. All right. <laughs> Full disclosure. Sometimes there can be a lack of energy in old Pastor Ken. It's most certainly true. It's, it's tiring. It's exhausting. And after Lent and after Holy Week, I'm beat. I'm tired. And if I had my druthers, we'd name the week after Easter shelter in place in your PJs. And we should not be surprised that pastors across the country would be sitting on their couch, not answering calls, emails. They're just going to hibernate. The flesh is weak. Now, I'm partially joking. The week after Easter is, is one uh, of the most common weeks for pastors to take off. It's a weak week. It's the week when not really don't want to do anything. And it's a great week. Again, our, our lectionary, we get to see Ezekiel and the dry bones from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. Ezekiel sees a valley of, of skeletons, full of skeletons. They're, they're bleached white by the sun. The remains of a battle fought long, long ago. And God asks Ezekiel a simple question. He says, and you heard it earlier, the son of, son of man, he says, can these bones live? Now, according to all sense and reason, according to all normal expectations in the world, the answer should be <laughs> no. They can't. And it doesn't take Marcus Welby, MD, or any other physician, real or perceived, to tell us that, yeah, the patient didn't make it. They're gone. He's dead. They are already just bones. There's no more skin, there's no more flesh. They're gone. But we know that Ezekiel doesn't answer according to the normal expectations of the world, does he? He says, well, actually, he doesn't say, Oh, Lord, God, uh, you know, uh, God, I, I wouldn't expect them to, but since you're asking the question, there's probably something that you know that I don't, and there's probably something in a plan that isn't what the world would expect. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. He tells them to speak a word of God to them and to declare them that they shall live. It's a great narrative, Ezekiel 37. It's fascinating. There's zeal. There's, there's urgency. You should go ahead and read it. I mean, really, of God. And then the man was alive. He was given life. And that's, that's you in your baptism. You have the spirit. You have the water 
and you have new life. You are raised from the death of sin in your baptism. Now, Jesus, he rose from the dead, and having conquered sin on Good Friday's cross and death from Easter Sunday's empty tomb, he breathed, Jesus breathed on his apostles, and he gave them new life. And the breath, the word that he breathed on them, they then spoke to you, for they bring the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. They preach the word. They absolve sinners. So every time you sin, every time you sin, there's proof of death. And the wages of sin is death. But every time your pastor absolves you, he's loosing your sins. You are being raised to new life. You are raised up from the waters of holy baptism into new life. You're a new creation. It's your resurrection. Every remembrance of your baptism, every pronouncement of absolution, every sermon preached, every supper of Jesus' body and blood, each, each of these is like a little Easter for you. A transit from death to life. A resurrection from the dead to being alive. Each of these gifts is the Spirit breathing life into you day after day until you are laid in the ground. And then he does it one last time on the last day when you will be alive forever. I know that Easter, and as we are entering into Easter, Palm Sunday already, next Sunday, Easter is supposed to be a time of great and utter joy, and, and it is. It's, it's just that when Easter comes, there can some, sometimes be a, a lack, all right, full disclosure, sometimes there can be a lack of energy in old pastor Ken. It's most certainly true. It's, it's tiring. It's exhausting. And after Lent and after Holy Week, I'm beat. I'm tired. And if I had my druthers, we'd name the week after Easter shelter in place in your PJs. And we should not be surprised that pastors across the country would be sitting on their couch, not answering calls, emails. They're just going to hibernate. The flesh is weak. 
Now, I'm partially joking. The week after Easter is, is one uh, of the most common weeks for pastors to take off. It's a weak week. It's the week when I really don't want to do anything. And it's a great week. Again, our, our lectionary, we get to see Ezekiel and the dry bones from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. Ezekiel sees a valley of, of skeletons, full of skeletons. They're, they're bleached white by the sun, the remains of a battle fought long, long ago. And God asks Ezekiel a simple question. He says, and you heard it earlier, the son, son of man, he says, can these bones live? Now, according to all sense and reason, according to all normal expectations in the world, the answer should be no, they can't. And it doesn't take Marcus Welby, M.D., or any other physician, real or perceived, to tell us that yeah, the patient didn't make it. They're gone. He's dead. They are already just bones. There's no more skin. There's no more flesh. They're gone. But we know that Ezekiel doesn't answer according to the normal expectations of the world, does he? He says, well, actually, he doesn't say, Oh, Lord, God, uh, you know, uh, God, I I wouldn't expect them to, but since you're asking the question, there's probably something that you know that I don't, and there's probably something in a plan that isn't what the world would expect. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. He tells them to speak a word of God to them, and to declare them that they shall live. It's a great narrative, Ezekiel 37. It's fascinating. There's zeal. There's, there's urgency. You should go ahead and read it. I mean, really, read it. Read God's line in it with passion, with urgency. God's doing something really exciting here. He's not bored with it. He's making his day. Those bones rise. And God promises resurrection both now, in life, and also eternally. God, he promises to breathe life into people, to restore people to open our graves and raise us. And the promise from our Father in heaven is, I have spoken. I will do it. And hear this. He says, I have spoken and I will do it. It doesn't matter if I'm weak. It doesn't matter if I'm worn out or drained. It doesn't even matter if I am not only dead tired. It doesn't even matter if I'm dead. God has spoken, and God will do it. You see, it doesn't revolve around me and my energy. 
It doesn't revolve around what you can bring to the table. God has spoken and God does it. The beauty of Easter that is coming isn't that someday God will do something really cool. It isn't just that someday things will be better. God is active even when and especially when I'm weak and worn out and I can't do a thing but sit on the couch. He, God, he gives life even when we are at our weakest and at our lowest and at our worst. Even the week after Easter, even the week after the party, even after the celebration, even the week when things are going their worst, even now during this pandemic, Christ Jesus the Lord has spoken life to you. In fact, he washed you in it, in your baptism, and he fed you the resurrection and the life in the supper. The world might see a weak, dried-up mess sitting on the couch in his PJs. But God knows you, and God knows your frame. He built you. He lives. And so do you. He has spoken, and he will do it. Now, tying this all into the gospel... I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed how some who are steeped in sin get really angry when they hear about Jesus and his longing to save all who should believe? Have you ever noticed that? Listen to this from our, our gospel this morning. So the priests, the chief of priests resolved to murder Lazarus because uh, through him many of the Jews were believing in Jesus. So Lazarus had been sick and they called on Jesus and he waited a few days and then left after Lazarus was dead. So imagine, it, it's really not hard during this, this time of uh, of illness across the world in this United States. It's not hard to imagine, but imagine you're sick. That you may actually be sick physically. Imagine that you may not feel ill, but you are sick and your sickness is going to end in a way that it ended for Lazarus. Imagine that. You're going to die. Now, I'm not talking about COVID-19 right now. I'm talking about the sickness, your sickness, my sickness, the world's sickness. That is sin. And there is no cure for it in this life. All you can do is manage the symptoms. It will always flare back again and again. Sooner or later, it will have its way. It'll have its way with you and me and you will die. Jesus arrived too late for the funeral for his friend. 
He went to the tomb and he called Lazarus by name and he told him to come out. And from the tomb, still wrapped in his burial clothes, came Lazarus, alive. My brothers and sisters, you, you've been raised from the dead. You were called by name too. Again, I bring up in the baptismal font, you were buried with Christ so that just as he was raised from the dead too, you walk in newness of life. Paul wrote that in Romans 6, 4. We know that the wages of sin is death and there's no avoiding it. You are going to die. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. That means that you have life today. You have a new life. You have a new name. Forgiveness for everything that you have ever done, for everything you haven't done. You, you are saved. You will be saved. It's as sure as the fact that Jesus died for you on that cross. That Jesus rose again. Now, the chief priests wanted Jesus dead. They wanted Lazarus dead too. As long as he was walking and talking, he was a reminder of how Jesus saved him. That's the way the world feels about Jesus and his gift of salvation. They hate it, and they want to snuff it out. And you, too, are a walking, talking, living witness to the Lent and the resurrection of Jesus. You you really should expect the world to try to do the same things that they did to Jesus. You will always be mocked for what Jesus did for you. You will be looked down upon, maybe even hated for what you believe about Jesus. You might even be martyred for his name, but don't fear. You were dead, but now you are alive in Christ. The most that anyone can do to you or to me is kill me or kill you. And we know that sin will do that one day anyway. You are alive in Christ. You need to confess Jesus. You need to stay faithful. You will live forever. So children of God, Can these bones live? Oh, yes. Yes, they can, Lord. Jesus defeated death for you and for me. These bones shall live because he did it for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.